My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, my name is Mark Anthony, and this is a special episode. We took the equipment from our studio to the Canute Summer Party in August and recorded this year's Mia and Monopoly. Several entrepreneurs had submitted their dilemma to the panel to get their input, thoughts and advice. The panel included Mads Vederkop, Margrethe Dahl-Leermann, Hans Henrik Beck and Lee Gammeltoft. We do hope you enjoy this special broadcast, the lively discussion and all the great solutions the panel came forward with. Enjoy. We're going to help some uh, founders out there. We have four dilemmas to go through, so uh, I hope you're ready for it. We do have a Mian Monopoly t-shirt for the best dilemma, so uh, yeah, make sure to think about which one you think is the best one. But let's get to the first one. The first one is a dilemma that comes from a founder who calls herself Christina. She writes, Dear Mia and Monopoly, I'm the founder of a three-year-old startup. We're 15 employees making some money, and we recently raised a seed round. All in all, we're doing good, but obviously still not in a situation where our budgets are not, are not stressing me out. We are startup after all. A few months ago, me and the team went on a company trip to a summer house. We got a lot of work done. We worked on the company strategy, and we had a really good time as a team. On the last evening after dinner, we put a few more bottles on the table. We had a music quiz, and it all got a bit lively. One member from our team, we can call her Birit, already got tipsy during dinner and it was clear for everyone to see that a few hours later she was quite drunk. At some point, she got confetti cannons out of her bag. She thought it would be funny to use them whenever someone got a question in the music quiz, uh, right? Two colleagues uh, and myself included clearly told her not to use them as it would ruin the wooden floors in the summer house and she put them away again. Around 11 p.m., I went to bed, and only five people, including Beard, were still up. The next morning, there are pink marks on the wooden floor, and the toilet seat is broken. One of the guys that stayed up with Beard tells me that Beard had an accident in the bathroom when she went to bed. <laughs> At least he heard a high crash from the bathroom when she was in there. 
Uh, I had borrowed the summer house from a friend of mine, and the total bill uh, to fix the floors and the toilet is 30,000 kroner. I don't have any insurance that can cover this. What do I do? Do I pay for the repairs through the company? Do I ask Spirit to pay? Do I ask the five people who stayed up late to split the bill because they were the ones not stopping Spirit using their confetti cannons? <laughs> I hope you can help. Quite a dilemma here. Is this a company expense or late? You uh, look like you have an opinion. No, I'm just thinking she should be really happy she's not working in media or music because <laughs> then it would have been 130 instead. It sounds like, you know, a random like Wednesday night, doesn't it? Of course, of course she has insurance and of course the company should pay. Yeah. So company pays. All right. Yeah, I tend to agree. I've both experienced much worse after bills and I've, <laughs> I've also heard about much much worse after bills uh, i've heard about a certain very big thing scale up uh, that rented a whole hotel for the christmas party and basically three hallways had to be replaced <laughs> so i think it go much worse than that and i know when your seat stage uh 30, is a lot of money mm. um and that could have been somebody's salary that yeah. month uh but it's part of being a company, unforeseen costs come up and you should really just budget with it. So would you say there is a limit? Like what if it had been, what did you say, 150,000? Like Beirut was told that she shouldn't use the confetti cannons and she still did it. Yeah, but did you take the co confetti cannon from her? <laughs> so you could argue that maybe she should have just taken the confetti mm -hmm. cannon if she really didn't trust her not to do it because she was drunk and Let's be honest, we've all had fuck-ups when we were drunk. <laughs> so, what? Yeah, No, never. <laughs> no, exactly. So I think that's a company expense and mm. talk about it openly mm. in the team that that is a lot of money for the company and we should be a bit more careful mm. when the company pays yeah. um, and we should help each other not fuck up when we're drunk. So yeah. make it a learning experience. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have anything to uh, add to that? Well, I fully agree. I mean, mm. if you are hosting it, then you have to pay it. Right. And I mean, honestly, I think everyone has tried it and I've had much more, uh, much worse situations. <laughs> the only thing is that you have to really sort of embrace it and tell the team, you know, what has happened so that everyone sort of gets the feeling of that we are all taking part of this and also making sure we're mm. all learning from it. So I, I think it's not just a situation between the two of them, but it's actually just to, I mean, it's not to hang somebody out, mm. but it's also to make sure everyone learns from it. Yeah. But we have to pay as right. the founders. So you actually agree, all of yes. you, company expense. Yeah, I would say with that uh, caveat, you need to consider the context. Mm. Because listening to your story, I think it was a cool context. With a lot of fun and a happy night. So I'm absolutely mm. certain she was in high spirit and <laughs> with great hopes and a bit naivety, uh, being a bit naive when, uh, when firing the cannon. But I think, of course, you can also have people who are like out of mm. sync with, the, with like normal norms. And, 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 and then, <laughs> yeah. of course, I would, have them, I would have them pay. But otherwise, I can mm. tell you, we have also had like uh, enormous out-of-pocket expenses <laughs> uh, that are like at least uh, 20 times that, that amount. Yeah, okay. Interesting. All right. That was a really good thank you. We will um, make sure she hears that. Next uh, one. Dear Mian Monopolo, I'm in a difficult situation with my head of sales. 
I'm the founder of a company with around 30 employees where we sell software in three different markets. That invo involves quite a lot of traveling, both for my head of sales, but also for a bigger group uh, of people from my team, including myself. The problem is that my head of sales takes his marriage vows very light. He has a wife and three kids, but he behaves like he's single every time we're away. He's been kissing other women in bars, and in one occasion he even took a stranger back to the hotel where the whole team was staying. All of this happens in front of the people from the team. I don't know his wife that well, but she does come into the office once in a while, and every time I see her, I feel like I'm lying to her face. I also find it problematic that my head of sales is one of the managers in the company, and thereby a big part of setting the culture in the company. And this is obviously not a behavior I want to support. On the other hand, it's his private life. For what I know, he could even have an agreement, him and his wife. Where does the line go? Can I bring this up in a conversation with him? Can I demand that he doesn't do it in front of uh, employees, at least? Should I tell his wife? Maybe even anonymously. Um, and then it just, <laughs> it just says, help, in the bottom, <laughs> from Carsten. So uh, not, diff not easy. You have one again, uh, Lee? I'm just saying, once again, I'm glad it's not music or media because this would be every other day. No, honestly, I think it's, he's, he's at work. It's company time. And I think you can definitely take that conversation, have that conversation with him. He is part of a culture. He's part of the director's uh, group. And he should do that. That. He should do that on his own time. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, I think as a CEO or as his uh, leader, I would actually have a conversation about, you know, it's company time, it's a hotel paid for by the mm. company, and you are actually working and you are representative of this company. And I also think from, from the culture um, for the company, it looks really bad when a, when a, a leader, a director is, is fooling around. Uh, and nevertheless, maybe he has an understanding with his wife, but he should be more uh, discreet about it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, even though you could say it's his private life, when you are traveling with your company, you're on duty 24-7. It does matter if it's on the plane, if it's at the hotel, if it's at the dinner, at a conference. You're representing the company during those hours. So it's more than fair for the CEO to take the set of sales aside and say, if you want free time off when we travel, please don't be with the team. Um, and then <laughs> do it on your own. Don't bring people to the hotel. You can't really get involved with people's private life, but you cannot condone that kind of behavior in front of the team. And what, let's say, if they go and have beers after work as well, like it is more of a free time setting. Is that still company time? Just, you're a leader and you're with your team, hmm. so it's company time. Mm. Um, it doesn't matter if it's even if it was back in Denmark yeah. if you go out for after hours beers he wouldn't do the same because now he's in Denmark and he's, his wife is living here mm. or at least that's what the dilemma tells us so I think it's with the team he's a manager it's not acceptable so you need to either make him stop doing that or get rid of the person entirely yeah so you can kind of say the damage has already happened yeah. like the team knows that he's behaving like that this um Margrethe, what about his wife? Like, well, I don't well, think you can actually tell his wife. I think that's a private matter. But uh, I yeah. fully agree to what has been said. And it's also about the culture. 
So I think for once it's just to be very clear, uh, you know, what's the company policy, but also to say you are a role model. Mm. You know, this is how we want you to represent the company. But I certainly don't think you should tell the wife. I think that's a, a private matter. Yeah. And can we just add as well, um, Hinton, like, like, I don't know this, so now I'm just uh, talking hypothetically, but if he, ha- he was a co-owner as well, he might have some shares in the company. Is there a problem with the morals and ethics of if you don't agree to them with your how your co-founders are behaving? I, I think you have like uh, the lawyer side of things, which is like the very rational side of things. Mm. And then you have the emotional side of things. The The culture comes on the emotional side of things. That is probably your biggest asset in any company. Mm. If you want to build a strong team, you need to make sure that the culture is actually catering for a team growing stronger and, and closer together. That is about trust and accountability. If you have people you cannot trust, or who are not accountable, mm. you need to tell them. And if they cannot comply, they need to get out. Very and Then, uh, then I would say, don't confuse whether they own part of the company or no. not. Of course, if they own more than you, then yeah. you would check out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good one. I actually have, I don't know if that uh, changes anything. I do have a bonus info on this one. It says that one of the girls he kissed with on a company trip was one of the employees in the company. Oh, Amazing. <laughs> But it kind of seems like that's just supporting your... Uh, your uh, yeah. For me, you have two sides of that. The one is the dilemma relative to... I would argue that the people closest to you are the ones you should trust and should be trusted the most. It seems like it's not the case. Mm. And secondly, if you start kissing around, you need to make sure, sure that there are two. Because if you are the senior and you are mm. kissing and there are not two to the side, then yeah. you also have to go. I don't know if we need to do a hand raise on this one. It seems uh, quite clear. Anyone think he should tell the wife anonymously? No. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> Number three. Dear Mia and the beautiful Monopole, it says, I have a dilemma concerning my friend, let's call him Preben, who used to be a shareholder in my company. To set the scene, The company today has offices in 15 countries, more than 200 employees, and we have a plus 300 million valuation. It all started 10 years ago when I and a group of five guys, including my friend Preben, co-founded the company. We were all equal shareholders. After the first few years of working together, it was clear for everyone to see that Preben didn't work as hard as the rest of us. He didn't put in the same amount of hours and the quality of his work was low. In the beginning, I held my hand over him and I defended him. But after a while, when it didn't get better, I couldn't protect him anymore and we decided to fire him from the board and the company. We couldn't buy him out at the time, so he kept his shares. You're all following so far? Yes. I haven't had too much contact with him in these years and we're definitely not as good friends as we used to be, but we do still see each other three to five times a year when we get together with shared friends. It's fine when we see each other and we just have an unspoken agreement that we don't talk about work. Then one year ago, I was looking through some old budgets and receipts and I stumbled upon some receipts for a new computer and some headphones that I didn't recognize. The receipts had been signed in my name though. I looked into it and I found out that it was my friend who had bought a computer and headphones for his wife through our company. He had simply forged my signature. I confronted him. He denied at first, but after realizing that the evidence was pretty clear, he admitted to it. 
We're only talking about 12,000 kroner, so it's not about the money, but it's the principle. I don't trust him anymore, and it makes me question if he's done anything else in the past eight years that I don't know about. My dilemma is that me and the other co-founders are currently in the process of making a proposal to finally buy him out. If we do so, he'll become a multi-millionaire. I have not yet told my co-founders about the forced signature and the 12,000 kroner. I have spoken to a lawyer. That's the right place to be today as well, uh, though. And there is enough evidence to charge him for fraud. I really don't know what to do. Should I tell the other co-founders about my friend's fraud or simply forget about it, buy him out and leave it be and never talk about it again? Kind regards, Peter. Yeah, Margrethe, what do we do I'm here? I'm with no doubt. I mean, you can't. It, this is fraud and you have to trust somebody. And even if you are in the middle of a situation where you're selling, you definitely also have to tell the others. So I I'm, have no doubt it's fraud and I would say it. So you'd say to the other co-founders, would you also, uh, yes. you know, go yeah. the because this is court's way yeah. and charge yeah. him? Yeah, I would definitely do that. But first of all, I'll actually talk to him myself. I think that's very important also to just hear what has been going on. Are there more things so that you actually have the understanding of what is going on? Yeah. And Henry? Yeah, I, I think I would confront him with the fact that I know this. And then simply ask for a good explanation why and how that could happen. Mm. Then I would, of course, ask him to pay back the money. And then I would actually be more worried. I wouldn't go into a legal fight because sometimes you need to pick your fights. And, and, and even though this seems like a clear case, you could also consider whether you actually want to spend that amount of time on, on this mm -hmm. person or, or whether just confront that person and get it over and done with. I would be more concerned whether there could be more. Because if things like this is popping up, then... And if you are in, in the middle or about to enter into a DD and you have like things like this, then, then that would be a concern. So that I would definitely spend time on figuring out. Yeah, so I agree. Uh, and I think the mindset you need to have here is shit happens uh, and you kind of need to learn from it and take the learnings that are there. So there's multiple things here to mention. Sounds like the shareholder agreement is probably not too solid. If they have a guy that's not on the full journey, but he just mm. keeps all of his shares. Mm. So don't kind of be cheap on lawyers. Um, and I'm not just saying that because we are <laughs> on the <other> house. <laughs> um, but don't be cheap on lawyers when it comes to shareholder agreements. Um, and then, as mentioned earlier, you really need to get to check, has this happened uh, in any bigger, more substantial way? But for the 12K, I wouldn't necessarily take legal action because it's so daunting and it's way more expensive to take legal action than yeah. 12k so it's just a lose-lose um but but surely so as i read it it's also a matter of paying out a lot of money mm -hmm. to a co-founder that has actually cheated you yeah and that sucks yeah but the share if the shareholder agreement is made in such a way that he owns those shares and he's entitled to them no matter what he has done in the mm. past then that's pretty much the life of any founder and any cap table. That's just how it is. If those are legally his, those shares, and they cannot get him to accept a lower price than what they have agreed to or mm. what they're planning to agree to, then 
That's would you it. would you tell the other co-founders? Yeah, you have to. So yeah. if this is the CEO rising, yeah. it's your duty to your shareholders. Mm. You can't hide that. Uh, then you'll just get in trouble. Mm. You need to inform if there's a board, you need to inform them. And you need to inform uh, the shareholders about it's it's a security leak. Um, it wouldn't be different if you've been hacked or if there's been like a GDPR issue or something. You need to inform uh, about these kind of instances. Uh, that's your duty as CEO. I guess you'll have the money to buy back the computer and, and the headphones for, for the company. No, I totally agree. I think uh, it's it's also you can pick so many fights on your way up, and you have to choose how you use your energy as well. And he has been a good friend, and he was there from the beginning. He was the co-founder, and the money is his. So don't be cheap as well. You can be part of a success, and you can have good energy on the way as well, and be a part of culture that builds that. Or you can pick any other fight you've made in your way just to get more money. Mm. Give him his money and get rid of him. Bye-bye. We have one more. Can we do one more uh, dilemma? Yeah. Great. This is a tough one. Dear Mia and Monopolo, I hope you can help. I'm in the middle of a big dilemma between my family-in-law and my company. I founded my company four years ago with my co-founder, Preben. We have developed a deep tech regulatory solution for large corporate companies. It has taken years to build and fine-tune the product, but we are now finally at a stage where we're selling it and it's being very well received. It's, of course, never straightforward, but it's going well, and we are already looking into expanding into two more markets with our existing clients. Our software is quite unique, which is our current which is why our current team mostly consists of developers, one of them being my father-in-law, who is a very experienced full-stack developer. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Now to my dilemma. One year ago, I gave birth to my first child, and as a result of a complicated labor, I had to stay in the hospital for a few months, and I was away from the company on and off for six months. I got back five months ago, only to find out that my father-in-law and uh, together with a partner have started a company doing exactly the same as what we do. I couldn't believe my own ears. My husband only found out when I told him and he is just as shocked as I am. My company is my baby. I put so much hard work, time and tears into it. My family-in-law has witnessed this for the last four years and now they're copying it. I really don't know what to do. I have, of course, tried to talk to my father-in-law. He doesn't really see the problem. <laughs> He's saying that the market is big enough for two players and <laughs> that they can just focus on different geographies. He suggested Brazil. <laughs> of course, there is a competition clause in his contract and I could easily go to court if I wanted to. That's sure. But they're my family. And it is now me, and now me and my husband haven't attended any family events because we don't want to see them, and it's all just one big mess. They really don't understand why we're so hurt and angry. They're still working on building their company. What do I do? Yeah. Who wants to join that Christmas party? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, no. I'm actually that gold bitch who says, I go, to, um, go through a lawyer. If there's a clause, use it. Um, he's breaking his contract 
and they're not going to have any Christmas time anyway. So I would basically do that, yeah. So I'm going to give you a bonus info now. <laughs> I've been married to my husband for six years. We always had a really, really good relationship with our both uh, parents-in-law uh, and our both our parents love spending time with their grandchildren as well. So it, it was a good relationship. Nice. I got the mic before that. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I agree with you. Uh, and especially, like, you need to split this into There's a family drama. That's one thing. And then there's a company that you've been running for four years. You're the CEO of this company. And somebody is messing with the company. And you have your legal right to do something about it. Again, that's your duty as CEO. If you don't want to take that battle, you cannot be the CEO. I'd go that far. Um, then if you look on the family side, obviously, that's super complicated. Uh, but as Lee also said, the relationship is already already ruined. That's mm -hmm. never going to be reestablished. No apology can ever fix this. So personally, I'd drive him into the ground <laughs> and kill his company <laughs> and, and then laugh at him afterwards and say... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but that's probably just my competitive nature. And then, like, uh, family and business. Yeah, I think that's why you should uh, be careful mixing those two. Uh, and yeah. if you do, I think you should call uh, Brun Jaili even more often to make sure that the agreements you have are completely straight. It's the same with, uh, of course, uh, a company like the one I was founding, Quartz. You, you build a lot of friendships, but it's friendship coming out of a professional setting. And you need to make sure that, that, that we are together for professional reasons. And then, therefore, the, the friendship has to like follow along, not, not, not the reverse. I think on this one, I would do exactly the same. There's a, there's a legal side, the rational side of things. I would also go full blast, okay. saying you have, a, you, you have an anti-competitive, uh, probably a non-compete and, and non-solicit. I would go all in on that. And then I would actually show uh, like a bit, uh, also because my kids... If, if, if you react to emotions with emotions, I think that's, that's typically a bad cocktail. Mm -hmm. So I think part of this is basically keeping your head high mm -hmm. and showing what, uh, what good really looks like. And part of that is, of course, uh, embracing the issue, but of course also realizing that this is never going to get as close as it, as it was. Mm -hmm. but, but of course, if you start like confining your kids from, from, from their grandparents, then I think you are basically barking up the same tree as, mm -hmm. as they did. I fully agree to that. Uh, I would attend the family meetings and gatherings because I think it's too sad not to do. But I would obviously go to court with this. And I would also make sure that, uh, I mean, from my perspective, that it would even put me more on fire to actually compete with what's already there. But definitely, definitely go to the family gathering. I mean, it's sad not to do. But can you do that if you're also meeting your father-in-law in court? Isn't that... I think you can. It's just a matter okay. of, you know, attending and behave and mm. then show at least to your parents, or mm. not only the parents, but also the kids that you can actually handle this situation mm. and be professional. I'm actually, uh, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised about these uh, answers. No one is saying only one thing is more important than your business and that's family, just close the business. Can we just have a, have a not close the business, but you could also just... <laughs> can, I add, can I add one last thing? Yes, of course. If... The father-in-law doesn't see the problem mm. in founding a company that competes directly. I'm sure he, he doesn't see a problem going to court either because mm. that must be one and the same thing. Yeah.
Yeah. But what about just both running competing companies? No. no. Not an option. No. No. Anyone think that's an option? <laughs> no. <laughs> you would all take your uh, father-in-law to court. Yes. Okay. Yeah. No, I think it's a, it's a really good dilemma. And I, I, I think most of the people in the room here recognize that your company is your baby. And it is, yeah, probably the best advice is to not mix it uh, with good friends and family. But if you have done that, it, yeah, can get super complicated. Yeah. That's actually uh, all we had for today. I hope you uh, enjoyed it as well. Let's just say thank you uh, to the panel. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.